What's up, guys, and welcome to the A Win is a Win podcast with me, Theo Heineke Fan Club. I'm joined by Reese, Maddie, and Luca. And uh, yeah, today we're going to be talking about the Reds in their first six games, I believe it was. Uh, and uh, yeah, let's not waste too much time. Let's get into the first topic with uh, Reese here. Yeah, uh, I just want to talk a little bit um, uh, just about the Reds' hot start in general. Uh, obviously, they're five or they're five and one out of the gate. They took two of three against St. Louis at home, three of three against Pittsburgh at home. Five and one right now. They're getting ready to go on the West Coast. They have three against Arizona this weekend, three against San Francisco, and uh, the Reds' offense. I don't think anybody could have expected how good it would have been uh, if you told me before the year that what the Reds would be doing offensively right now. Um, would be what they're doing. I would have called you crazy. Um, they're, everybody in the lineup really is hitting. The only guy that you can really say that is slumping is Suarez. And I mean, I, I expect him to turn around. So obviously the Reds are off to a quick start and uh, a few factors into that. Obviously the outfield with Castellanos and uh, Naquin right away. I mean, they're not going to put up those numbers all year, but it's a nice boost in the beginning. But it looks, honestly, it looks really nice to see Jonathan India. Clearly he's not not overmatched from the get-go, which is something I was afraid of, uh, India India being overmatched from the get-go. Um, and Nick Senzel, uh, if he can stay on the field, I mean, he's proving valuable. He's hitting the ball. He's running the bases while he's playing good defense in the outfield. If he, as long as he can... Stay healthy. Staying healthy, number one, is the is the focal point with Senzel. But um, uh, all the all the other stuff in this game is kind of almost secondary at this point. You just want to see what he can do in a full one sixty two. Yeah. Anybody else have yeah. any Anybody else have any thoughts on the red start? Well, like one thing I noticed that I think they talked about on the broadcast once or twice, just like doing the little things. Like you're talking about Senzel, like he beat out that. It seemed like a force play at second, and then they, he asked him to review it, and then he came around to score. So, like, just little things like that. I've noticed that they're a lot more aggressive on the base paths. And as I watch games and stuff, I'm sure people notice, like, those things do, like, <clears throat> make a big difference. And, I don't know, there's just a different mentality with this team this year. Yeah, they're actually putting the ball in play right now, which is not something. It was home run or bust last year. It's the worst baseball you could have imagined watching. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Octo, do you want to take or Maddie? Do you want to take us into the uh the second segment? Uh, yeah, sure. So let's talk about Cassianos. I don't think anyone expected him to start this high. Uh, we saw that at last season, though. The, the first ten games, he was hey, he was doing what he was right now. Like constant, he was on base at least to every other every time he hit, he was either getting someone. Um, on getting himself on base or bringing someone home, and it was normally in the form of a home run. Which this year it's actually been pretty varied. Which I think it's he he just looks more confident. He's he's got that like stride, and I think this is like the time he wants to prove himself because of how much he kind of struggled with Detroit in his little bit of time in Chicago. Because he wasn't bad last year. He just he just had a he kind of went really hot for the first 10 games and then slowed down, which, I mean, that's expected to be happening with any player. And it's just, he, he, right now, he's just, he's a home run machine. He's a, he's a scoring machine. You, he's, his defense has improved a lot, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's good. Yep. Like, our defense this year looks like, it looks like a completely different team compared to last year. But I think India being on the team helps, too, with the 
infield. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna butt in on that for a second. Yeah, the Reds defense is certainly certainly better than I thought it would be, uh, especially with Suarez moving to shortstop. I thought it was almost a, a shoe in that we were gonna be terrible defensively, like bottom three in the MLB, if not mm-hmm. at the bottom. Um, but Suarez outside that first game, he hasn't really done that bad. And like you were saying about Castellanos, he uh, he really has improved defensively, and the metrics support that. Um, yeah, so he's and he's playing with he's he's playing with more energy and passion. I just feel like it's a different player this year. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. I I just want to butt in for a second. I feel like Castellanos is one of those players who, like last year, I think he struggled a lot because. You know, there wasn't the energy in the, the stadium with fans, and I think he really feeds off that. And I've also kind of noticed his approach, like he's laying off those breaking pitches, which, you know, he struggled with that as well. So that's when you know he's real locked in. He's dangerous right now. So lots yeah. to be excited about. Yeah, I agree fully. Uh, Luca, do you want to go into the back end starters? Uh, uh, we haven't talked about his suspension. Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, I don't yeah, want uh, Rob yeah. Man, Man Fraud, uh, <laughs> down this podcast. Okay, okay so Rob Man is he's gonna be watching this one. <laughs> okay, so I know you guys, bro. I mean, he's at least gonna like get it cut down to one, but it's yeah, just, it's absurd. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, the entire time, like, he's just sitting there with his hands crossed. Like, he didn't engage in any of the altercation after he slid into home. I was, yeah. going, to intro- I was going to introduce the fact that it happened, but then everyone just started yelling about how Manfred's a fraud. Let's just go over this. So, Cassianos got suspended after the uh, yeah, second game against, against the Cardinals because he flexed and said, apparently said, let's go. Against, <laughs> um this uh, rookie pitcher Wainwright was it Wainwright? No, it wasn't. It was uh, it, it was Jake Woodford. That's who Jake it was. Woodford, Jake yeah. Woodford and Yadier Molina, who by the way is not a Hall of Famer. Uh, so <laughs> it would be a good idea to go over to Cassianos and start yelling at him and pretty much grabbed him in the back of the neck. Yeah, now, and I think trying to look at it from an unbiased perspective, I don't. I think. I don't see any like issues except maybe some fines for all the contact and stuff with all the stuff going on with COVID. Yeah, surely. If I think if you look at it from the perspective of if Cassianos gets suspended, you sub- you suspend Yachty too. Yes, yeah, agreed. Yachty, Yachty grabbed him in the back of the neck to try and talk to him. Personally, I don't think anybody should have got suspended. I yeah. should have spent yeah. fines. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any reason for a suspension. In the NBA, guys are doing what Cassiano said every single night. It happens in every single right. game, multiple times a game. Like that's it, It's just a reality, and noth- nothing more than a technical foul happens there. And in baseball, their version of technical foul is a fine, I guess. So, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it, shouldn't, it shouldn't have gone past a potential fine. Um, even from an unbiased perspective, I don't see how I don't see how you should be suspending him for that. Right, it doesn't make a lot of sense because I was reading through who got fined and like Suarez got fined, and I'm, I like watched the video and he did get, literally got fined for getting shoved. Like, yeah, there's no way I, I don't choose to believe that Gino said something like. It, yeah, it fine. I would find it hard to believe. Now, if Yadier Molina said something, I wouldn't doubt that. Oh, if Nick Cassiano said something, I probably wouldn't doubt that either. But uh, Gino is the yeah. last man on this on the red team who I would expect to get tied up in that. Yeah. Right. Um. As a, 
I was kind of surprised Amir didn't go running out at someone because <laughs> I, I, I mean, I would have loved that, but uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Um, yeah, so now I want to move over uh, and have Luca talk about his uh, talk about the back end pitching and his, his uh, favorite starting pitcher, Jose De Leon. All right. <laughs> yeah, so pretty surprising start to the season. I mean, I mean, we kind of knew what we were expecting from Tyler Malley. I mean, he was very solid last year, but I know a lot of Reds fans were concerned, like, looking at the starting rotation when it came out in the I mean, I was too. And then I didn't get a, much of a chance to watch Sunday's game, but like I was just like checking the score, and like Hoffman was just shoving. Like, yeah, Hoffman was. Dalian had struggled, and but then he bounced mm-hmm. back and in, in his start as well. And then Miley, same thing. Like, you know, he works so quickly. It's honestly, you know, like he's solid. I don't know. I, you know, I've said less than nice things about Miley in the past, but I don't know. I mean, he is kind of a ground ball pitcher and like, I mean, fifth guy, like he's solid. So, I mean, the whole rotation, I mean, I just can't wait till Sonny Gray gets back, but those guys are holding it down and did not expect it. So, yeah. Lorenzen I mean, as well is going to come back into that rotation. And that, that brings up another like point, like who's going to leave the rotation when it comes. Cause Hoffman, like you said, Hoffman was great on Sunday. Didn't expect anything for Jeff Hoffman. And I don't think it's any stretch at all to say the the Cardinals lineup is a bit better than the Pirates lineup. And he did that against the Cardinals lineup with pretty much everybody in there. I know the Cardinals lineup isn't great, but it's significantly better than the Pirates. Better than the Pirates. Um, and he he really he pitched well for for five innings. And then the Boyd Miley last night was really impressive. Like you said, just he's like a speed runner. Dude was going through the game so quickly. He's very when he's on, he can be very good. Definitely. Totally agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, next subject uh, is a uh, is a little bit of a touchy one for for a few people. Uh, Shogo Akiyama. Uh, he's not going to be coming back till May. Obviously, we knew um, last year he really didn't play very well, and his power numbers were, uh, to put it simply, brutal. Um, but now with him not coming back till May and Aquino and Naquin hitting well, let's say Nate, like, obviously Naquin's going to drop off. Aquino's not going to hit a home run every five at bats. Um, it's just not going to happen. But, um, if they're, if they keep up a decent level of play, she'll go that odd man out. Or do you think the Reds keep him for skill reasons or maybe because that contract? What do you guys think? I, I think. I mean, you really can't get rid of him because of the contract, but I think. Well, I should I shouldn't say get rid of him. I should say keep him at the alternate I, site, which they could do. I I don't know. I think I think either Naquin or Kino are gonna cool off significantly, but yeah. I think if if for some reason they both continue to hit, obviously not the same level, but at least well. Um. There's definitely going to be somebody who's kind of the odd man out, whether that be Shogo. Uh, and I think he's really the only one because Castellanos and Sinzel have been hitting very nicely so far. And I, I like Akiyama, but he did not exactly hit well last year. Yeah, I completely agree with that, unless he can live up to the standards of big league pitching more than he did last year. Just getting on base, like he doesn't even have to hit for power, just find a way to get on base. And right now you can't take any of those outfielders out of the lineup. Every single one of them is hitting. Yeah. I just. This is where we need I, university yeah, 
I mean, oh I my! We should. I think we should take a moment to reflect that the Reds have too many good players right now, yeah, which no, never really happens. When's the last time that's happened? Bomb catchers. Yeah. I also I mean, want to add. Oh, go ahead, Luca. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, what I was thinking is, I don't know. I think Aquino might be the odd man out. I would assume so. Yeah. I mean, he has been hitting the ball well, no, but like there hasn't been a long enough sample size to where he's consistently putting up those numbers. But then and then not- the issue with then we have four lefty outfielders, I would believe, and then just the only righties would be cast. No, it would be it would be three, I believe. It would be Akiyama, Winker, and uh, Tyler Naquin, and, and then Castellanos and Senzo righty, but. Another issue with Aquino is he's out of options. So if they send him down, they have to put him through waivers. And if he's still at least hitting the ball a little bit, he's going to get claimed, I would assume. So that adds another wrinkle into it. I feel like I saw an article that was saying that he still had an option last. No, he was he was uh he was up for um an added option that MLB was incorporating last year to guys who just like got called up for a little bit. Jose De Leon got one. Um. Perez got one, but Aquino did not get one. I know he his deck got declined, so he has to go through. He has to go through that waiver process, um, to get through. So it's like a log jam out there, and obviously, I, I, it's not realistic to say they're going to send down Blandino or Farmer because they're not going to they're not going to keep one infielder. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, right. but it should be interesting, honestly, just to see how that happens. Speaking of outfielders, Tyler Naquin, uh, what is going on with him right now? Um, yeah, yeah I'm going to over to you. I think he's on the, uh, I think he's on some Barry Bonds drugs right now. Yeah, <laughs> he's on the PEDs. Drug test I him mean, immediately. He need, yeah, he. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> no, that man, that man's literally been on a tear. I don't know, I don't know how many of you guys saw the, uh, the home run last night, uh, the lead off the yeah. game that went four, I believe it was 452 or something, cleared yeah, the, it went, Cleared the moon deck. 454. Cleared the moon deck. Bounced out of the park. Wow. Yeah, I did. I knew it cleared it. Um, But yeah, Tyler Naquin. The Indians really gave up on him too. Um, They non-tendered him this offseason. And it's it's a fair point to say he never really hit um, or OPS or hit at the big league level that well. Um, Look over his numbers. Really, his only close to a full year was 2016 on that Indian team that made the World Series. Had a really good line, 14 homers, 49 RBIs, slash 296, 372, 514. That's really good numbers for a, at the time, 25-year-old. Um, But 2017, he only played in 26 games. 2018, he only played in 61. 2019, 89. Last year, 40. And he's really hit. He hit, obviously, in that first year, that full season. Then he hit in 2018 2019, where he played a combined 150 games. He didn't hit bad at all. Um, but what got him on the outs last year is he hit two eighteen in forty out of the sixty games. Um, and the Indians, the Indians really just gave up on him. They uh they non tendered him, and the Reds signed him to a minor league deal. I think just talking to people like Indians people I know, uh, Naquin's always had talent. Talent has never been the issue for him. It's just staying on the field and consistency. I don't think it's fair to say he's gonna keep this up. Uh, he's right now slashing three fifty seven five hundred with a slugging percentage of a thousand. Um, that's not going to happen. But through five games, he's got three homers and twelve RBIs. Like that, that doesn't happen a lot. And he's 
He's on a tear right now, and uh, that brings up another question through the outfield. Who do you guys? Let's say Winker's back in the lineup Friday. Who get who goes to the bench, or is it a pl- platoon role, or what happens? Luca, I'll start with you on that. It's tough to say. Um, I don't really know. Like, cause I mean, I'd say arguably Winker is our best hitter. Yeah, I mean, yep. pure hitter overall. Yeah. Pure hitter, yes. So I feel like you have to slide him in the lineup, but depending on like the matchup, maybe like what looking at Bar's career numbers, I'm not sure. I haven't looked at who's starting the Arizona series, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure David Bell will think of something. Who knows? Maybe he'll slide him Waker into first or something. I I wouldn't be surprised if Bell made a move like that, but you know. yeah, Arizona hasn't announced. This- Arizona hasn't announced a starter uh, for Friday, so I don't know if it's going to be lefty or righty. That'll probably play a role in it. I don't think you can take Castellanos. You obviously can't take Castellanos out of the lineup until that suspension gets – if it gets upheld, um, then you would obviously have to take him out. But if he stays in, I don't know who you take out. Because I don't think you can take Naquin out right now either. Um, no. And – I, I think, honestly, the odd man out is probably Nick Senzel, and Senzel has played good. Like, he hasn't just played okay. He's been playing good. It's just uh, you can't take Tyler Nakon out of the lineup right now. I think, yeah, I think Senzel's the odd man out, unless they want to move him into the infield. I mean, Yeah, which is that's just, just, it's just not going to happen at this point. Especially with how our infielders are hitting as yeah. well. Like, it's not like anyone's underperforming. Yeah. Like Suarez, I, but he's staying in the lineup. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. Um, moving on to uh, to the weekend series, they obviously get three against Arizona, three against San Francisco. Um, the NL West outside the Dodgers and the Padres is pretty putrid. I don't think that's a stretch at all to say. Um, no, Arizona, um, obviously they have some players, Cattell Marte, Christian Walker. They still have Baumgartner. Zach Gallon's a nice young piece in the rotation, but uh, they're not. I would, I would find a hard time believing they would even come close to 500 this year. And then San Francisco's kind of the same situation. There are a lot of just meh older guys. Uh, Yastrzemski's a nice player, but they uh, they have X-Red Anthony DiScalfani actually on their team. So we might we might they have four starting pitchers from the Reds. What? So it's DiScalfani and who else is on the Giants? Right? DiScalfani, Cueto, Wood. And yeah, Alex. Else, I know. Kevin yeah. Gossman. Oh yeah, Kevin Gossman. Red's the legend. Yeah. And then, dude, they have Wandy Peralta on their team. You remember him? Oh my god, the CEO of giving up home runs late inning. <laughs> he's actually not bad there. I'm pretty sure he's had decent. Get the Reds, but their ballparks. Their yeah. ballparks huge. No. Uh. Yeah. Looking at the Arizona series. Um. What is your guys' expectations? How? It, it, it is winning a series an expectation even on the road at this point? Um, uh, I think just depending on how it goes, uh, I think Arizona, if we do it right, can be a sweep, but I see us going two and one in that series, and I'd say two and one against the Giants. Yeah, well. I would. I would completely take that. I, I don't know what your guys take on it, but I would completely yeah, take four out of six on a West Coast road trip. If we got, yeah, if we got four out of six, that would put us at nine and three, which is coming back home. I will take that. Anyway. Yeah, that, that's, I'll always take that. Nine and three yes. coming back home is 
not something to be frowned upon. And then you come back home and you get the Indians and then the Diamondbacks again, at, both at home. The Indians are not good yeah. this year after losing Lindor, Carrasco, and everything else. They're not a good team. And then the Diamondbacks, we're obviously going to see this weekend. But the Reds really in April have a very favorable start. Um, yeah. Start to the year, certainly. I don't – who's like uh, – out of that out of that Diamondbacks and Giants series, which which team do you guys think gives the Reds more trouble? Giants. You think That's the Giants? Bad. Giants, I, I 100%, think, man. I, the Diamondbacks have Cattell Marte, who's at, like, I believe the best here in the league right now. But yeah, he's raking. That, they don't have a ton. I mean, uh, he was on my fantasy team, so that's why I know that. But, um, <laughs> They're two and three right now, I know that. Yeah. Um, I just, I think the Giants, I think they have better pitching. I think they have better hitting. I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, yeah, overall better. Yeah, the Giants playing in San Francisco isn't easy either because great, uh, Reds are used to great American, the bandbox. Uh, you, well, you go out to Oracle Park, ain't quite a bandbox. And that's, that's another interesting thing. Arizona is a big ballpark too. That could definitely factor into Bell's decisions on the outfield this weekend because you don't get to, you can't just really hide Castellanos and Winker in corners and hope because that the fences are shorter that they'll have less ground to cover, specifically in San Francisco. Um, I don't know how many, I don't, I honestly don't know how much Nick Castellanos will even play in that series. To be quite honest with you, he'll definitely get at least a day off. I would expect. I would think we go defensive, especially in right field, where it's just if it's yeah. in that gap. I mean, it could be an inside the park. Nick wins mean, certainly. Senzel will probably be in the lineup. I would yeah. guess every day, if not two out of three. And then Aquino, <laughs> Aquino can do. Aquino has a really nice arm, so I can definitely see him making a couple of starts yeah, there. I would not, yeah, I can definitely see that being our lineup in San Francisco, especially. Um, and then lastly, I know this is a topic uh, Luca wanted to cover, so I'm going to let him take it over in a second. Uh, kind of a closer controversy right now. Amir Garrett has not pitched well. No. Right, and I know it's a small sample size, but, I mean, there is reason to be a little concerned. I know he didn't really pitch much in spring training either, so I think he's just going to be adjusting for a little bit. But yeah. Maybe, I think – their, the Reds' approach is kind of is situationally, which I do agree with to a certain extent. So, I don't know. But Sims is elite. I mean, I think he's one of the most underrated relievers in the whole league, honestly. So, and he's always he's very used to those, you know, leverage situations, as well as Amir is. But I'm sure it's an adjustment for any reliever to go from, you know, middle reliever to, you know, closer. But... I think it's something to consider. I'm sure the Reds are as well, but, you know, small sample size, but, you know, not the greatest start for Amir. I know 100% he's going to bounce back, but he's also 100% our best lefty, but also with, you know, the emergence of CNL Perez, it's not as big an issue because for a while there it was pretty much just – Yeah, it was bare. Our elite lefty. That was it. But yeah. CNL, that was a huge move, so – no, I completely agree. I think it'll be evolving over the year, but you know, just no. I, I quite honestly, I think the traditional closer value. Um, I don't actually. Not even I think. I think pretty much everybody thinks the closer role isn't really what it used to be. Um, yeah. in terms of traditional closing situations and put putting your best reliever in in the ninth inning, that just doesn't always happen anymore. Specifically with guys like Josh Hader. And uh, Andrew Miller and, and other guys who just came in, they're kind of their, the high-leverage guy. Um, and I think Garrett, honestly, is more served in those high-leverage roles than anything else. 
um, and yeah. Lucas Sims as well. I don't I don't really agree with the traditional closer, and quite I didn't really agree with the decision at all to bring in Amir Garrett into an eleven run game today. Um, that that was a very confusing decision when I saw Amir Garrett running out there. I was like, oh, he's coming in, and then he immediately got shelled. Um, yeah. gave up and the f- first three runners got on. I believe it was double walk single. Um, and then yeah. the grand slam, and then uh, Derek Johnson came out to the mound, and then he got three. He was fine after that. Got the last three outs, but I think I like Lucas said the small sample size is definitely a player into it, and he didn't throw very many spring training innings, so that also probably contributes to it. Yeah. I mean, and I you got go ahead, Heineken. I think I, I think. Honestly, I like you said. I'm not a fan of just the traditional closer. I think you just pitch, you just pitch whoever's pitching well. Yeah. And put him in, and you definitely don't put in arguably your best reliever in an 11 run game. It just it doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah that didn't make sense. But they did win. Garrett didn't get hurt, so I guess you have guess you have that to bank on. But is there anything else you guys uh you guys think of to cover? Uh, no. Uh, no, just other than... I actually have something I want to bring up we didn't have planned. Let's hear it. Okay, okay. I think we might have a bit of a catcher controversy on our hands, too. I agree. <sighs> Look, I love Tucker. I or I love Tyler Stevenson. Um, as much as I say I don't... <laughs> but no here here i i will agree with luke on one thing i think it should be more of a split although barnhart is playing like good right now um i think at least about a month in it could be a platoon one thing i want to make a point out of is the fact that both barnhart and stevenson have stepped up offensively when given the chances yeah, and that's very true. Considering putting Barnhart in this situation, a career point two four zero hitter is surprising. Like, yeah, like he I, can't hit a he still can't hit a curveball to save his life. But yeah, but at that and just his defense is still on point. Stevenson's yeah. been good good on defense, but Barnhart Barnhart struck out a guy trying to steal base by like a mile. Yeah, Barnhart. He had a pot time of like less than a second. Yeah, Barnhart is still borderline elite defensively, and having him there with Stevenson. Stevenson's obviously going to be end up being the much better offensive catcher if he isn't already. Um, yes, but but I defensively, having, he's not what Barnhart is at least right now, and having Barnhart yeah. there can help him. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Barnhart being there is a veteran presence for a somewhat rookie person, rookie player. Yeah, and I think that's great because. Like, if you go look at other sports, like, if you compare, like, say, American football, like, if you have a veteran wide receiver and a rookie quarterback or a backup a backup older quarterback, like with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua, they're going to hype each other up. They're going to try to teach each other things. And I think that's kind of the thing Stevenson and Barnhart got going. Yeah, which, yeah, you know. I listened to the Jim Day podcast with Stevenson, and he – he had talked about how Tucker's been, you know, you know, great through all of it with, you know, how just helping him adjust and, you know, make changes and stuff. And I, I think, yeah, like you guys said, Stevenson's defense is definitely improving, but yeah, not on Barnhart's level. But no, I think he'll get there eventually, and I think the role will evolve to, you know, more Stevenson starts. But I am a little disappointed with 
the lack of starts. So I think he has two starts. Yeah. Games, so I think I I think honestly he'll get more as we continue to go in because Barnhart. I mean let's let's put it like it is. He's like like Octo said he's two forty career hitter. So I don't think there's a lot of hope that he'll keep up his pace. Another thing about Barnhart is I don't know if the Reds really keep on pl- or plan on keeping him past this year because he's owed um uh 3.75 million this year. Um yeah. He'll make it all the way through this year. Um yeah. but uh looking looking more forward to next year, he has a uh, he has a club option um for 7.5 million dollars. Um, and I don't know if that's something the Reds are gonna do necessarily, especially when they have tar- or I don't know if they're they're gonna want to pay a platoon catcher seven point five million. I mean, it's Bob Castellini we're talking about here. We're not talking about Jeff Bezos. Yeah. <laughs> I it'll be it'll yeah. be interesting, but yeah, and, but I mean, you need two some pretty solid catchers on the roster, so yeah. Yeah, and they own they I mean, own seven point five million. If they decline the option, they owe him uh five hundred thousand, five hundred thousand buyout. So don't know exactly what they're gonna do. Yeah, they might try and you know decline the option and renegotiate or yeah, because seven point five million for what That's Tucker Barnhart's numbers were. If I'm paying the twenty twenty Tucker Barnhart seven point five million, I'm doing something wrong. Um, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely because yeah what did he, i know he was hitting like 150 like near the end of the year and then he ramped it up here let me pull this up really quick uh he was hitting or he hit, he hit last year 204 so he did get above the mendoza line but i know it was significantly below that most of the year and that's really why stevenson got called up because he was so bad by and large right. offensively We're, had the free tyler stevenson hashtag going for a while <laughs> it was going for a while barnard put up some Barnhart's yeah. best year was 2017 when he uh when he got that ex or when did he, he got that yeah he got that extension at the end of 2017 he actually played pretty well uh 270 347 slugging wasn't great it was only 403 but that was the only time his career's put up you know on bay or slugging over uh over 380 so he was at 403 that year below oh, league wow. average but he was still above league average and batting average and on base so he was kind of average offensively but. We'll see what he yeah. does going forward this year. I don't expect him to keep his pace up. Yeah. yeah um, we'll have to see. Yeah, so... But um, I kind of wish they would have kept Casale and, you know, Casale yeah. Stevens and Tanta, but, you know, I like Tucker, don't get me wrong, but, yeah, it is what it is. All right, so that will wrap up our second episode of base or of the baseball segment on Win Is a Win podcast. Uh, for myself, mm-hmm. along with Luca, Heineke, and uh, Maddie, thank you guys for all getting together and joining us for the second episode. And uh, we'll see you on the next one.